Never heard of the Millennium Fault? Should I have? It's a ship that made the Kepler run less than 12 parsecs. and welcome to another episode of Kessel Run Weekly. We are back with another character chat. I'm your host, Cheyenne, and I'm here with a very special guest, Corey. Say hi, Corey. Hi. So we're very excited today um, because amongst all of our awesome character chats, this is probably going to be one of my favorites. Um, I'm very biased because we are talking Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo today. Um, But before we get there, we are going to introduce Corey a little bit more and learn a little bit more. Um... Sorry, I'm moving some screens around on here, so it's getting a little chaotic. Uh, but to get to know you better, we'll just do some like basic Star Wars questions. So, uh, my first one is how you got into Star Wars. Ooh, okay. Uh, so, I got picked up into Star Wars early on. Um, one of the things I used to do with uh, my, my mom and my dad was watch movies, and one day randomly my dad threw on... Uh, Episode four, The New Hope, when I was like maybe five or six years old. Mm-hmm. So we watched it all the way through. I was enamored. No clue what was going on. Too young to really understand what's going on. But just we got a bunch of bad guys, good guys, and fun colored lightsabers. <laughs> and it was, it was neat. So yeah. um, then fast forward a little bit more. Um, I watched a bunch of movies as a kid. And when episode, uh, well, the episode one was coming out, um, I eventually got to see that in theaters. And one of my very most fond memories is when I was able to uh, see episode three the night it came out, but still had to go to school the next day. But my dad was super chill, and he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna do the midnight show, and we're gonna go do it." So that's amazing. That was a- <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, that's so fun. Um, so what what keeps you coming back to Star Wars? So you got into it, and now you're just like a fan. But what keeps you coming back to Star Wars? Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> I love the stories. The stories are very simple, easy to understand, but also uh, fantastical. And that's something we don't see. You know, I like my grounded movies as well. But mm-hmm. when it comes to like Star Wars, very niche, very like sci-fi, mm-hmm. there's not too much I deviate from that. Like I'm not a massive Star Trek fan, but mm-hmm. um, Star Wars has always been home for me. Yeah. And again, that, that kind of reverts back to when I was younger. And it's just always comfort. Um, in the same, same way I think of like comfort food. I just always keep on coming back to it, and Star Wars is always my safe bet. Nice. Yeah, me too. That's a good way to describe it. Um, so these are a little bit like more just fun, random things. So what is um, your favorite lightsaber battle? Ooh. Uh, actually, the way I like to break things up, I, if I go by trilogy, it's easier for me to like, kind of deviate from there. So yeah. like, from original trilogy, um, definitely episode six, Vader and Luke. That's, mm-hmm. like, iconic. Conclusion of the entire series. It's fantastic. Um, prequel trilogy, uh, same kind of boat. Episode 3, Obi-Wan mm-hmm. and Anakin. Yeah. Um, and for the sequel trilogy, I think my favorite battle was probably... It was Force Awakens. It oh, was. Yeah, nice. end of that uh, end of that movie one. Mm-hmm. But if I were to, like, compare those three and kind of duke them out, I think episode 3... Just has so much more gravitas, and yeah. I think 
when it was like on screen, I think that was like 20 minutes of screen time. It was very long, but uh, it definitely culminated into the fall of Anakin eventually becoming Vader. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably one of the scenes. So like I have a handful of scenes that I cry over (laughs) in Star Wars and that is consistently one of them. I'm always like, okay. It's fine. I'm fine. Um, do you have a favorite quote? Oh, I'm always drawn to uh, anything Han Solo says. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't know exactly any of his specific quotes. Mm-hmm. But when I think about um, his realization that, like, in his acceptance of the Force being the Force, yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of blanking on the movie actually, but it might have been um. It was probably episode four toward the end. I think it was when they were going to destroy the Death Star. Him and Luke are in the hangar, and Luke is about to get into his uh, cockpit. Mm -hmm. And then he just says, may the Force be with you. Right. I think that, while it's it's said always, Mm -hmm. but for that gentleman to understand, yeah, the Force is something I can't necessarily understand, but I will will understand for the sake of my friends and Mm -hmm. um, the gravity of the situation that's about to be at hand. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about that in reference to oh God, The Force Awakens the other day when he was telling Ray that oh, it's yeah. all real, it's true, all of it. I was just like, you know, he has this realization earlier on in life, but doesn't really say it to anyone. That's true. <laughs> he probably like, true. Yeah. does at some point in like a private conversation, but like with Han's personality, who knows if that's for a fact. But um, do you have a favorite character? My favorite character is Kylo Ren, for sure. Yeah? Okay. Um, there's a bunch of reasons for that. Um, but uh, I love Adam Driver as an actor, period. Me too. Um, I had started watching uh, the TV show Girls, yes. which he was in. Yes. Yeah. Um, very, very different character. But yeah. <laughs> it just shows his, uh, his, uh, his range. His range yeah. is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just him being a fantastic actor, being able to emote, act, and be different characters... Um, and he was able to do that for um, Star Wars, where he's just the most conflicted character, in my opinion. I mm-hmm. um, I absolutely adore him in this sequel trilogy, as compared to the rest of the uh, all nine movies mm-hmm. and all its subsequent uh, spinoffs. I definitely think he has the best acting chops out mm-hmm. of anybody. Yeah. Um, and his character growth development was all executed very, very, very well. Yeah. Um, and I know that Star Wars can get uh, a, a little cheesy with dialogue. Um, and I think he just knocked it out of the park. Um, but yeah, Kylo Ren for sure was shown to be the most interesting character in the sequel trilogy for me. Awesome. That's why he's my favorite. Yeah, I mean, that's entirely fair. I do also love Adam Driver. Like, I hadn't seen the show in Girls until my roommate showed it to me. Um and then we all, we like continuously, like we'll just binge that on a cycle. Um, and then, but after that and knowing that he was Kylo, I went on like an Adam Driver binge. And so I watched like Marriage Story, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. And I still have like two other movies. Oh, and I watched Black Klansman. I actually just watched Black Klansman for a class that I'm in. So I was just like, this is great. I just get to watch Adam Driver act all the time. Um, yeah. It's, I was like, I'm so, I'm so lucky. Um, he is probably one of my favorites, but I consistently feel like 
I have two different favorites. So, like, I feel like Kira is my favorite in reference to, like, someone that I identify with. But Anakin is probably my favorite in general, overall. <laughs> He's annoying, but I love him. <laughs> I love That's him. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a least favorite character? There's there's nobody in particular I think that screams to me saying I do not like this character on screen at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and people like complain about Jar Jar from the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. I never understood it. It yeah. never it never occurred to me why he would. I mean, when I was younger, it was adorable. I, I liked loved him. him. Yeah. And as an adult, I don't mind him. And then when we went through a long period of time where we have bunch of hate for that character specifically, I just never understood it. Um, but overall, no, there's not anybody that kind of made me really upset or anything mm-hmm. like that. Everybody served their purpose in their story. Even the even bad guys like um, Sebulba or something like that, yeah. or you know, like just people like that. They they were there. And I understood that they were there for a reason. But overall, no, I never hated anybody. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, if you could, I think the rest of, yeah, the last two are just more fun questions, so nothing too deep yet. But, um, if you could own any creature, so like a pet type creature in Star Wars, what would it be? Hmm. I really, really adored the porks. Yeah? I think I you're the first person to say that. Besides <laughs> me. <laughs> they're too adorable. They're just mini birds slash penguin looking things. Mm-hmm. They make beeping noises. Yep. I don't see anything wrong with them. No, nope, they're beautiful. <laughs> I love them. Um, I typically, I feel like I answered porgs in my head on my own before. I mean, I have one, two, three, four, like seven, no, like ten porg pins oh, oh, <laughs> over wow. on my porg wall, over on my pin wall. So I like them a lot. <laughs> but I feel like the last few times that I've thought about this, I thought about like um the lizard thing that Obi-Wan rides. In Attack of the Clone, I think it's Attack. Of the Clone. Oh yes, 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 yes. Um, I think about that because I'm a horse person, so like okay. having a rideable pet is cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, what color would your lightsaber be? Uh, it, well, my favorite color has always been red, mm-hmm. so I will go with red. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I associate that is because uh, if I view uh, the color scheme, um, red is always the more passionate color. And which it, it, this was always a thing for me before watching Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I'm very, I tend to be a very artistic individual, mm-hmm. and when it comes to uh, color schemes, I used to be a painter and like, oh, just cool. artsy things. Yeah. Um, I always was drawing to warm colors, hot colors, and red was always passionate, strong, uh, powerful in that regard. Um, so whenever I think of any kind of lightsaber, my mind goes to red mm-hmm. for sure. Nice. Me too. I feel like mine is very, like, my answer is always basic, though. I'm, like, I'm a dark side bitch. (laughs) (laughs) For lack of a better word. Like, I'm just like, that's why. But I I know that, like, being on the good side is better, for lack of a better word. But uh, I love red. But it is, it is my favorite color, but that took me a long time to reach because, like, black and red are my favorite color scheme. I didn't wear this on purpose because of that. I just found a comfy shirt, and it happens to be Star Wars. But <laughs> <laughs> those happen to be my favorite things. Like, and I would love a black lightsaber that isn't the dark saber. That's always been my, like, thought process. I'm like, I want a black one. 
But we haven't seen that before, so I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> People are like, I think it's justified. I think yeah. you're good. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, okay, so I hope that everybody enjoyed the interview portion, or at least that t- part of the interview portion, because now we're going to get into the Ben Solo, Kylo Ren questions. Um, we like to do theory questions here at Kessel Run Weekly, Corey. Um, so there are, I think, two in here at least. Um, and then the rest are just like how you might have felt about a moment or what you really think in general, even if we have or have not been given an answer. Um, my favorite part about these like interviews is just like knowing how people feel when they're presented with this question. Um, so the first one is a theory one. If Ben hadn't gone with Luke, or even if he hadn't been powerful in the force at all, do you think that he would have followed in Leia's political footsteps or gone smuggling with Han? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> great question. Great question. When I... My interpretation of Kylo Ben's uh, relationship with his parents, mm-hmm. I see him wanting the affection of his father and more than he than the affection of his mother. The reason being is his dad has always been reclusive. That's in his nature, has always been that way. He's, he's always been on his own, aside from Chewie, his mm-hmm. best mate. Um, Leia, on the other hand, is very diplomatic, very conversational. She has to be. She's been doing that her entire life. She was born as a princess. Well, she was raised as a princess, so mm-hmm. this is how she grew up. So I was, I believe that she was very much uh, able to go ahead and uh, offer that kind of comfort to him in the situation if they were growing up together. Mm-hmm. But because dad is not in the same boat, he was always vying for his attention. So in that regard, I would definitely think he'd be more like Leia. But he acts yeah. like his dad a lot. So it's, it's very much a great... Uh, representation of the acting skills that we have here where we can see the combination of two separate entities being this person and he's a very conflicted individual Mm -hmm. he'll always vie for his dad's attention he'll always vie for his mother's attention and it just depends on where the the parents are at Um, I could definitely see him growing up to be the smuggler like his dad just because he wants to follow in his footsteps and everything he's going to want to do is going to be based on that regard but um, his willingness to be uh, open and conversational and less reclusive is going to come from his mother for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's interesting to think about his how it they shaped his personality versus just, like, what we know about him. Because I read, oh, I don't even remember what book it was, but it was when, like, Jason and Jaina and Anakin were Han and Leia's kids. Uh, so it's a Legends book. And... I try to not project them on on Ben. And, but I also think about it. I'm like, regardless, like Han and Leia are still the same characters that they are in Legends and in Canon. Like they're, they were already established. So they were written about in the same way. So I try to think about how Jason, Jaina and Anakin kind of turned out and how that would have happened to Ben in a different situation. So I think about that all the time. Grace presented that question and I was like, that's beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also wonder, follow up to that, like, do you think that Kylo, if they had gone, if he had gone smuggling with Han, if he had eventually 
become a smuggler on his own once Han passed or changed course? Mm. I know. Very fair question. When I, uh, I would imagine he would continue being a smuggler. I, I, I still think that he would continue uh, doing that. Um, all in all, at least what we can tell from the movies, mm-hmm. um, he's very much uh, family oriented. Clearly, he has he has he wants to be the heir to Vader, mm-hmm. um, and I can see this 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 familial relationship runs deep when he probably invest all his energy into being something. I mean, we can, we can see that. Yeah. Although he was influenced by Snoke to be bad, um, he pushed through and surpassed him. Mm-hmm. In the same regard, I can see him doing that as a smuggler. Uh, if, if Han's gone and it's just him and if Chewie's still around, um, yeah, he will, he'll definitely continue. I, I def- don't doubt that at all. Yeah. Um, whether he finds some kind of space to root himself and, eventually stop smuggling? Uh, that's that's a great question. I don't know if he would. Yeah. I don't know. I think he'd run himself into the ground before he lets that happen. That's probably fair. Especially with Chewie alive, that is fair, too. Like, with Chewie alive, I don't think that he would divert from the path. <laughs> sure. Sure, um, sure. How do you think, and this is a question presented by Brody, so how do you think Kylo spent his time between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker? I know. I had to really think about that one because I was like, where were we in the end of the question? I know, right? I saw something pretty crazy that um, I think everything from episode 7 to episode 9 literally took place within like a year and a half, two years or something. Yeah, something wild. Crazy. So, and there was no trans- transition period from 7 to 8 either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's like, it was very, very quick. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about from 8 to 9... Yeah. What happened? Mm-hmm. I know. Okay. Well, where do we leave off in eight? So in the end of that, they didn't make it out. Well, they made it out of Canto Bite, but through explosions. Um, and so they're on the, the ship. And they escape. Finn, I'm thinking Finn and Rose escape from the ship. They get to Crate. They all leave Crate. He and Ray. Ray shuts the Millennium Falcon doors on him. And he's that's on crate, and the the dice disappear from in his hand. Yes. Okay, end. so that's how it ended. Yes. <laughs> and then we skip to nine, and he's dirty on Mustafar. Yes. <laughs> yeah, dirty no helmet on Mustafar. All right. What did he do? He was searching. Okay, so we we understand that he was searching for wayfinders. He mm-hmm. finds out that a thing exists called a wayfinder. Yes. Cool. Weird. And then he's searching for him. Um. Yeah, he definitely gets consumed. He looks exhausted, tired. Yeah. I mean, he is dirty as well. Um, yeah, I, he, he just consumes himself with whatever is at stake. And I, I think that recurs back to the like, previous question where he's just so invested and so needs true. to do whatever he's doing. It's not a uh, He's not a multitasking individual. Mm-hmm. Whenever he's doing something, he's going 100%, 150%, great, go. You gotta go. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he's definitely searching for the wayfinders. I I I don't even know. I, I don't know if I ever touched on it in like any kind of books leading up to the movies itself and how he actually discovered these existed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he probably did a lot of bookwork. That's true. Figured out something. Yeah, because with Ray with the the journals of the wills, he wouldn't have access to know that they were in there. I wonder if Snoke 
Well, not Snoke, I guess, at this point. If Palpatine maybe, like, told him in a dream or something. Oh, yeah, that definitely you know? could have happened. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, because I don't think they said anything about it until Rey is like, no, they're in the book. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Which he doesn't have access to. Is when it comes to, like, the, pre, uh, like the books leading up to the movies, because there was a couple of them, especially the sequel trilogy. Same. And I just never read them. Yeah, I've never paid attention to, like, the novelizations within the movies. I always do, like, the offhand ones. So, like, I read, like, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, which is her life before. And, like, Bloodline, which is in the middle of the movies, but I didn't know that. So I was like, all right, I'm going to read it. Or I guess it's not even in the middle. It's just before Force Awakens. So kind of in the middle. And I was just like, all right, cool. Like, here we go. (laughs) Do they help you with your viewing experiences? Uh, I would say Bloodline definitely did. Um, Bloodline for sure helped me with um, understanding Leia's headspace um, in the sequel trilogy because, and do you mind if I do spoilers? No, go ahead, please. So in it, they basically address the fact that the galaxy, for lack of a better word, figures out that Darth Vader was her dad. And so then she's basically distrusted within politics at this point, um, even though she's been doing it for years at this point as well um people are like darth vader was her father she's probably evil too and then at this point also i don't believe there's much contact with ben because he's already kylo i think um it's been a while since i've read the book i think he's already kylo at this point and um if not he's in training with luke um, so they don't know that he's even going towards the dark side. The only reason I think that he is already Kylo at this point is because they do find out that the First Order exists in Bloodline. Okay. Um, so it's kind of an establishment situation. And then Leia, Princess of Alderaan, did help me with uh, Holdo. I didn't know who she was at first glance. But then when I thought about it more and then she was like, Holdo. Afterwards, when they said it in the movie, I was like, oh my god. Um <laughs> Because in Princess of Alderaan, it shows us her relation, their relationship um, when they met in, like, legislator things. Oh, yeah. So, small, minimal things, but I I love having that going into it, because then it does help me understand why Holdo would get the position that she got, you know? Like, rather than just being annoyed by it or something. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's an underlying uh, feeling like that when it comes to... uh, Trilogy movies, mm-hmm. um, like I, if I watch a standalone film, if I go in watching any kind of movie that has nothing, no franchise attached to it whatsoever, I'm not looking for those little details. Clearly, um, my time's not invested into anything except for that standalone two-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I watch a franchise movie like Star Wars or MCU movies, what have you, I, for whatever reason, have that need to find the dots that connect everything together. Um, and I think MCU kind of does it. Well, actually, I don't think they do any tie-in books going into movies. Yeah, I don't know. I know they have the comics, so. obviously, but mm-hmm. um, Star Wars has been doing that as of late. And those little details, I don't care enough to read a book before watching the movie because I yeah. want the movie to stand for itself. Um, so I, I, I neglect those little details. It's cool that they exist. Yeah. I just don't do it. Yeah, no, same, and that's why I, that's why I tried to. I started reading Legends books instead because I was like, I don't really want anything to interact with my brain when I'm watching the movies. I just want to know like these cool things that might have happened or could have happened. Um, because like I'm not one of those people that's like they shouldn't have thrown out Legends. I don't care. 
I don't. It's very irrelevant to me that they threw out the legend stuff because they're still cool stories. They still involve Star Wars characters. And, um, I mean, like, it's endless amounts of information. So, like, I just started reading canon probably in, within the last two years, and a lot of them are not, like, movie interaction ones. So it definitely, it's, it's helpful, but not in a way that's significant to me, at least. So, like you said, yeah, like, having those minuscule details can be irrelevant, honestly. And it is a lot of work to get through a whole Star Wars book before going to see a movie about it. <laughs> so, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, this one could be fun, I guess, but it also could be deeper. How did, how do you think, or do, if you already know, because I don't know the answer, how did Kylo and Hux get a bumpy relationship? I think this is a hundred percent touched on in some of the comic books that are okay. tie-ins to the movies themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more, uh, I'm, I have better understanding of wanting to read the comic books just because of pictures. And mm-hmm. just pretty Easy. Flip it. Me. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think this was touched on, um, in some regards. Uh, and again, this is me just trying to, understand exactly where I saw this. And I'm pretty sure it was Instagram, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I decided to Google it, I could find panels of it. But um, they had them to uh, very early on when he was uh, dubbed, like, Knight of Ren mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. in his career. And Hux wasn't even at the position that he was in yet. They had gotten stranded on some kind of, uh, some kind of planet or something or other. Mm-hmm. And he saved, you know what? scratch everything i just recalled who it was it was tarkin and it was vader not that my bad oh that's so funny i i would have never known literally at all i would have been like oh uh, cool but basically in quick summarization they have a uh, obviously it's shown the movies they don't like each other but um mm-hmm. yeah vader and tarkin they 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 just got into a couple arguments they save each other's lives a couple times and they have this relationship mm-hmm. where they're like you know you did me right but i still don't like you I can imagine that, something like that happened with Kylo and yeah. Hux, but honestly, I, I don't know. And mm-hmm. I'll just take the movies as they were, and they just don't like each other because, to my understanding, Hux is getting usurped by a guy who's not in the military like he is in. Yeah. Yeah. What's his name? I don't remember his name. <laughs> uh, In Nine, right? This is when we finally meet him. We didn't see him before that. Richard E. Grant plays him. Yes, him. yes, that guy. <laughs> I was like, I know the actor's oh, name. Pride. Yeah. Pride. Yes. Him, no, I feel like once he enters the picture, it's not just about Hux and Kylo anymore. Like, it's not just about Hux being like, you just have magical powers and you annoy me sort of attitude. It's now about, like, not only do you have that, but now you're even more in charge because this guy's letting you be in charge and he just stepped right over me, acting as if I wasn't here. Yes. And I did yeah. read, this is actually one that, it, again, didn't fall directly in line with the movies, but give, gave me some insight. I read Phasma, and that one reflects on, talks about Phasma and Hux's dad. I don't remember his name. <laughs> um, but they interact, um, which is how Phasma becomes who she is in the, in the First Order. Um, so, 
once they have that interaction, um, Phasma and baby Hux, little Hux that we know, um, already don't have a good relationship. And this, Phasma is probably one of the most confusing books that I've ever read <laughs> in relation to Star Wars, because not only is it Phasma and Dad Hux, it's Phasma and Little Hux, and then also Phasma and another stormtrooper named Cardinal. There's too much going on. But <laughs> basically, Phasma is like head-to-head with all these people, and so Hux doesn't ne- doesn't like her either. And I think because of that, he's literally just surrounded by people that never liked his dad and don't like him, and he wants to be in charge. So I feel like that's probably part of it. (laughs) It's not a healthy dynamic to start with for anybody. No, yeah, he was not set up for success. (laughs) Okay, so another kind of political situation for Kylo. So the scene where he chokes the officer, I found the officer's name is Quinn, um, in that meeting room after he throws Bulio's head on the table... And the officer is just like, well, is this fleet supposed to be a gift? Like, what does he want in return? So they are now, like, recognizing that Palpatine is doing something. Um, Why do you think that Kylo cut him off rather than, like, answering the question or letting it happen or letting an argument happen? Was it just a, like, reflection of the original trilogy? Or do you think there was, like, they wrote in, like, a reason behind it? Oh, okay. So I never even thought about the the notion that oh yeah we're just we're just exactly copy and pasting what happened in the original trilogy. Yeah, it, it never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now that you mentioned, oh yeah, I definitely see it. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's one. I have two other scenarios. So mm-hmm. I can think that he's cutting off the officer for speaking over him, literally yeah. just because of cutting him off. And of course, he's bringing up the officer. And this is my my third point. Um, the officer brings up a valid question extremely valid question mm-hmm. why is this happening mm-hmm. he is an underline he's an underling to kylo and and that's why i think kylo would feel disrespected and want to silence him immediately mm-hmm. there's no reason to question his authority he is the supreme leader at this time you don't have the right to backsass me yeah <laughs> but also like the officer uh, dying wishes um he he brought up a very very valid point for anybody else in that room who's probably having the exact same thought but was scared to voice their opinions, mm-hmm. our leader is taking a gift of massive quantity of soldiers. Probably, it, I, I, I don't know if they exactly understand, uh, anybody, even Kylo, mm-hmm. exactly understand how much of a gift they're getting, mm-hmm. literally quantity size. I would imagine that the uh, the, the Sith Empire, the, the one that was gifted to them, definitely trumps their like army yeah i would be i'd be freaking out if a group my size larger double the size i don't even know exactly what decided hey we want to be with you i i gotta wonder why you wouldn't just be another party in this war of trying to conquer the universe why do you decide to join us it it just brings up a question why what's the reason yeah, for sure. Especially from, like, a military standpoint. Like, just them being literally military officers, not even thinking about the force being involved or, like, yeah. the deeper fight. They're just literally like, we were at war and now there's another group? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Why, why is this happening? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I do love that thought process. I was like, I, f- 
because I, and I'll be honest right now, I didn't think about the original trilogy parallel until I literally reread the question to you out loud. I like heard it in the question. And I was like, wait a minute, this exactly happens in the original trilogy. Um, which I, I love a parallel. <laughs> Me too. Me There's too. <laughs> an Instagram page called Star Wars Parallels, and I'm like, yes. I follow that page too. I love it. It's, it's magical. Beautiful. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so another Snoke scenario. Snoke says he was hoping for a new Vader, but that Kylo is weak and unbalanced is, I think, the exact quote. Um, we now know that Palpatine was the one talking through Snoke. Um, so did he know that Rey could be Kylo's undoing or did he truly just think that Kylo was unbalanced in in the scheme of the force how they always talk about being unbalanced and didn't know why because I mean in the end of the day at the end of the day Palpatine was a little surprised that there was something such as the force dyad when it was finally presented to him so again did he know that Rey could be his undoing or was he just talking about Kylo as Kylo himself I would think that. <sighs> so I uh, so there's a basically um, the way I try to simplify everything in my head at least. Um, I get my understanding of whatever happened in the film itself as what was presented from the director's point of view, from the storytelling mm -hmm. of the movie itself. Yeah. And then we get that extracurricular um, notes from after the movie's released, and we get information from the writers that say, "Oh yeah, this was canon." This guy knew this information, blah, 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 blah. We don't know all this information, of course. That's why we have to book tiny and whatnot. Um, so for the movie itself, I go ahead and assume that he is surprised that Ray exists. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, he knows that she exists, but um, he, he wasn't surprised that she would be the undoing. Right. Um, that's what I understand. And yes, he, I think he recognizes that Kylo is a very flawed individual. Um, so... In a way, I'm agreeing with both of your statements. Yeah. From what I understand um, from uh, extra reading after seeing the film, um, basically Palpatine, ever since uh, Darth Bane, mm -hmm. and I believe Bane is canon. I, I believe, so. Um, believe so. Even if, okay, say he, if he is, and we're, we might be messing this up, I don't know if I am, but um, <laughs> if he is canon, uh, he created the rule of two in the Sith and Palpatine kept it going as well because he's the only he's the master he's the he's the leader of the Sith at this time mm -hmm. um, to my understanding he knew about the Force Dyad as long as Bane has known it and Bane mm -hmm. had known it since he became Sith That's allegedly true. so anyway uh, he knows that there is a Dyad he's been trying to create a Dyad that's why the Force 2 was created because ideally they want two Siths to be the ultimate power um but they tried creating that with selective choosing of Master Apprentice. Mm -hmm. um, but it's the Force who creates the Dyad. It's not man-made. Right. Um, so basically, uh, he can create as many Apprentice-Sith relationships as he want. He'd hope Invaders' bloodline would be that. So he would be the ultimate power. Um, and while he was very conflicted and everything like that, um, he couldn't account for his own lineage being Rey being the, yeah. the counterpoint to his ultimate goal of creating a Sith Empire that would last for eternity. Oh, yeah. I, I just, I, I think it's a, a weird question in the sense that he doesn't understand that he's his own problem because he winds up doing this over the course of his entire life, trying to better himself, 
better his goals, mm. but ultimately creates his own downfall. Yeah. Ooh. He's a little bit of a... He, 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 he has a large grasp of what's going on in the universe, but again, he kind of doesn't understand that these people can be as strong as they are. Yeah. We're going to hold on. Um... So these are, we're going to close out with cosplay questions, cosplay-based questions about Kylo. Um, so we know that he's your favorite character, like you said in your interview, but what about him is appealing as a cosplayer? Like what, or is it just because he's your favorite character? Um, so like, why would you cosplay him? Kind of in tandem, same question. Okay, yeah. Um, so I, it's funny because when I went to go see the movie, opening night, uh, Force Awakens, mm-hmm. when I went to go see that opening night, um, even with the promotional stuff that was happening, I don't even think we honestly saw Adam Driver's face all, like at all. I don't think so. Maybe we got a, a glimpse of it or something or other. But um, uh, and even leading up to it, I personally love movies so much. I just look up all details leading up to any kind of movie that I'm interested in. So mm-hmm. yes, of course, I saw casting choices and I saw Adam Driver, and um, I was like, okay, this is the bad guy. What have you? Whatever. Um, didn't think anything of it too much. Um, went to go see the movie. Fell in love with his character design, his helmet, costume, just all of that was mm-hmm. a gameplay. Um, and it was a factor for why I wanted to cosplay him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very funny because the I got to see a showing at like, I think, 11 o'clock the, the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a Thursday movie released on Friday. And my brother and a couple of his friends had seen the movie at 7 o'clock. And as I was in line getting into the theater, they were passing um, me by, and I just said hello, what have you. And him and his group of friends said that I looked like the guy who was Kylo Ren. As I was going to see the movie, I was like, oh, that's cool. I'll be able to look out for that. Sure, whatever. Um, so I was like, okay, this is an interesting start to mm-hmm. not this movie yet. I watched the movie, enjoyed the heck out of it. Um and fell in love with his acting and fell in love with the character as well. Just the dynamic of uh, lineage being passed down from Leia to Han just yeah. was so attractive for me. Because mm-hmm. when I was younger, Han Solo was one of my favorite characters. Um, so, And I love the sass of Leia as well. Like Everybody was just like, awesome. Loved them all. Yeah, perfection. Um, so that was my start with character. Mm-hmm. And um, at this point, I had already been kind of cosplaying, not to an, like, a good extent. Like, very poorly cosplaying um, from like 2011, uh, just like, like, a, like maybe a year or two before the movie actually even came out. So um, as soon as that happened, um, I learned up on um, costuming, like the right costume I need to find, where to buy it from, what have you. Um, and my Force Awakens costume, I still have. Um, I don't wear it though mm-hmm. um, because it's got so many layers, period. But um, yeah. I bought it off, uh, I think, AliExpress, and it wasn't screen accurate at all. Um, but uh, I just fell in love with dressing up as a character. And at that point, my hair my hair is long now, mm-hmm. like longer now because of quarantine. But um, <laughs> my hair was a lot shorter, like three inches shorter, and it wasn't like comparatively good with his length of hair. Um, but uh, dressing up in that costume and people just like admiring and getting that reflection from the character and understanding, hey, I like the character as well, so then we talk about the movie. Um, that whole experience goes into it. Um, and I went to a convention very shortly after the movie's release, and I just met up with a bunch of people who do Star Wars cosplays. 
this is where I met Grace mm-hmm. eventually, mm-hmm. Um, not too maybe a, a year later after that. Um, but that's where my love of Star Wars even went up an entire another notch because I was just admiring the movies from that point of view. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, it just started being a cosplay thing. I used I did a lot, um, and just the character design. Yeah, as it improved over time, um, I eventually uh, got the Last Jedi costume, and um, which doesn't deviate too much further from the last, um, uh, um, the last movie we just uh, watched, Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't deviate too much from that. Um, but uh, after getting the Last Jedi costume, I got into the Final First, um, vamped up my skills in regard of accurate representation of the costume and character itself. Mm-hmm. So that was always just another investment into the cosplay of Kylo Ren. Um, but yeah, it's always been, it's been great. And I just, I don't know, it's, it's character design, it's acting as the person, um, like how we briefly touched on, like, like obviously you work at Disney World and I used to, so I got an appreciation for character yeah. um, portrayals. Um, so that goes into it a lot. Because yeah. I used to see it a lot when I was working there, too. So it's very nice. Yeah, that's actually a perfect lead into my second question for this. Is like, what what do you hope people will gain when they meet you in cosplay as Kylo Ren? Oh, okay. I love it. I love <laughs> my interactions so much as Kylo. Because um, I'm not, and me as a person, mm-hmm. I'm not a very huge conversational person. Unless we have something great to talk about that I'm very interested in. Like, Star Wars is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it attracted me to be on this podcast, because I, oh, yes, Star Wars. Yes, I'm in there. I can do this. Um, but overall, like, I, I have a, a couple of strong passions, but overall, I'm not a terribly um, conversational individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I dress up as Kylo Ren, it's rather easy for me to be brooding mm-hmm. and very stone-faced. Um, and I'm, I'm 6'2", as well, so wow. I'm, I'm not like I'm not massively tall, like mm-hmm. comparatively. Um, but when it comes to meeting most people, especially as Kylo and I'm in, in the regalia, everything like so, and I'm brooding, um, it's very intimidating for some people yeah. to come up to me. And kids are great. Uh, some of them are very, very hesitant to approach me, and it just makes my heart so much happier because I think I'm doing justice to the character. Yeah. Um, and it's very hard for me to not crack a smile, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to like kids and people who are just geeking out. Cause I'm like, yes, thank you. You understand you appreciate, I appreciate you appreciating me. It's so yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for but, sure. Um, but when I go ahead and, uh, when I'm my initial interaction with most people, while I'm trying not, I'm trying to be brooding. I'm not trying to like be anything negative. I, I I'll go ahead and try to say something um, that Kylo would say, I try to drop my voice an octave, mm-hmm. so it's very, <laughs> it's very intimidating. Mm-hmm. And it, if I do any, some of my lines I would use would be like, uh, "Are you going to join the First Order?" Mm-hmm. Nice. Did you support the First First Order? Um, have you seen the Scavenger Ray? Like, have you seen any uh, any Resistance fighters? So I do that stuff in like a convention setting mm-hmm. and it just gets everybody really intimidated. Like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> That's the stuff I live for. But then, um, very quickly after that, um, I'll, I'll drop it and I'll be like, yeah, this is just me. I like Star Wars. Um, 
thank you for just talking to me. I appreciate that very much. So I, yeah, yeah, that's kind of how my directions go. Oh, that's awesome. I haven't, I have yet to cosplay somebody that I don't want to say requires like character integrity, but like my first cosplay was Kira. Um, where like kids don't really know anything about her. You know, we barely know anything about her. Um, but most of the time it was mostly just people asking for pictures rather than seeking interaction, um, which is fine because then I can just like snap on a pretentious looking face and I immediately have a Kira face and like, not that Kira, I mean, Kira is kind of pretentious, but I love her. Like she is, she is near and dear to my heart, which is why it was easy for me to just throw that on and be like, yes, I'm in it. Um, so like, that's why I love asking that question. I'm always, I always love hearing other cosplayers talk about like their interactions and stuff, because eventually when I do get to a character that requires interaction, I want to make sure that I'm doing justice to the character and to myself and to the community. And so like hearing stories like that is so heartwarming and I love it. Um, that was it. That was my last question for you. Ended on a fabulous note. <laughs> um, I think that's it as far as anything else. Do you have any last thoughts that you want to leave as far as on Kylo slash Ben Solo? Oh. I genuinely wish he had a better ending in The Rise of Skywalker. Yes. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see uh, I wanted to see Ben be redeemed in the eyes of more than three people mm-hmm. and to my knowledge the three people i can think of are his parents and ray right yeah um i would have loved to see a force ghost of him um with his parents me too me too uh, <laughs> there is there there were some things uh, i was I, I as soon as the movie ended my my mouth was left open and i was like there are some things i wish were different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but as movies, Star Wars has never been perfect, and it shouldn't be perfect. Its yeah. flaws are what make it the charm that it is. People will have their opinions, positive, negative, but as time goes on, I will definitely see Ben as he deserved better. Mm-hmm. But in my eyes, I think he achieved. I think he achieved a lot more than what the audiences in the world yeah. of Star Wars were able to actually acknowledge. Yeah, a satisfying ending left open to interpretation because and that's the thing it's like not that they intentionally were like oh let's leave it so like people can write fanfic like that's not what they did but in the in the eyes as a fan um knowing that like i can write a story about what if ben solo had survived or what if ben solo had shown up as a force ghost in the end with luke and leia like as a fan i appreciate being able to do that even though i do think i agree he deserved better um but like also, as a writer, being able to write a story of if Ben Solo had survived is really nice. <laughs> it is. It is. And there's been, I've seen a lot of fanfic images, people posting things that they, like artwork of what would, what would have been. Mm-hmm. I like that. It warms my heart. It makes yeah. me keep on going. I like yeah. that a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Me too. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for talking Star Wars with me. Do you want to tell the people where they can find you? Oh, uh, so you can find me on Instagram at Corey, C-O-R-Y dot Canadle, K-N-A-D-L-E, just my first name, last name, rather easy. Um, but uh, I'm on Instagram. I kind of have a TikTok. I love that. Lately, lately, cosplay has been like an issue with me, but the energy to do, that's the only thing. 
Yeah. But um, I feel that's the exact same handle. Um, but yeah, that's 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 where I'm at. Sweet. This, you're the third TikToker that I've interviewed. <laughs> I guess fourth with Grace now because she's like, I'm going to post content now. And I'm like, yes. Yes. Um, I'm, I don't claim to be a TikToker yet. <laughs> I definitely have videos up, but same. I'm literally, my cosplays are like staying in the closet because I'm like, that means I got to get ready. Now that I'm back at work, it is more tiring <laughs> than it was I before. Like same. before I was tired because I was just tired all day in quarantine. Now I'm tired because I'm work tired. <laughs> That's exactly my situation as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, you guys can find me at cjerica on Instagram or cjerica95 on Twitter. And you can read my blog posts at the Kyber Crystal with two L's.wordpress.com. Um, I do have Star Wars Sunday posts, amongst other things. I have not posted in a while because, like I said, I just got back to work. So I'm focusing on the podcast for now, but there is content there. Um, you can follow Castle Run Weekly at Castle Run Weekly on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and you can join the Facebook group called The Castle Crew. And don't forget to tune into our Twitch streams at twitch.tv slash Castle Run Weekly, where you can also join our Discord server. There's lots of fun channels there. Grace is our moderator there. Um, so if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Grace at Amidala, I think, underscore 716. I think that's it. Thank you once again for being here, Corey. Thank you for everyone listening, and may the Force be with you. Always.